You're listening to the San Antonio Public Library's podcast, Tuned In. This podcast is made possible by the generosity of the San Antonio Public Library Foundation. Our sound engineer is Dan Garcia, and show notes for this and other episodes can be found at guides.mysapl.org forward slash SAPL tuned in. I'm JD, joined by fellow podcaster Haley, and today we're welcoming the assistant city manager, David McCary. David, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and hang out. We're excited you're here with us. Definitely. This should, should be great. Um, tell us about your current position as assistant city manager and your work with the library you're doing. Well, I, I have to tell you, I am just so excited and elated to be a part of the team. As an assistant city manager where I have six departments and library is one of six, I'm excited because of what y'all have already established with your uh, amazing team of professionals, your board of trustees. You've got quite a number of things that y'all are doing simultaneously, and it's well-structured. So I'll get a chance to kind of share with you some of my other departments, but as a new assistant city manager, it's been very exciting to kind of work not only with Romero and the staff of the professionals, but having a chance to kind of step back. I'll even share with you some of my stories and why I love libraries. Nice, nice. (laughs) Well, we're excited to have you as our assistant city manager. You've had various municipal jobs in your career. Would you tell us about some of those and takeaways? So probably 30 plus years of work. Uh, I started out as a uh, collector on the back of a garbage truck. That was my calling, (laughs) Uh, I actually feel. So from my career began with me just paying my way through college. It wasn't about me having any long-term effect in city government. That wasn't the intent. I just wanted to have that degree and get a chance to work a half a day (laughs) but get paid Full day. That back in the day, it was a program called CETA for the city of Houston. And part of that CETA actually allowed us to learn the work environment. I was only 18 years old, so it was really good and had an opportunity to learn so many facets of solid waste management to include working in the budget office, getting an opportunity to not only work in operations, but I got my CDL license. I was able to go through the ranks because back then it was about what you knew, not who you knew. (laughs) So that was like a perfect opportunity for someone that had the youth but was exceptionally motivated. So that's why I was pretty excited for it. I came from a family where my mother raised five of us by herself. So we had to work. And even though mom and dad were divorced, that's one of the reasons why I like love the libraries because I end up going to four different high schools and you only go four years in high school, <laughs> right? So you have a lot of different teachers, schools, and that was kind of like a safe haven for me. Library. I would always go to the library during school for lunch break and even after school. I just found a safe haven, so to speak within our public libraries because I could learn as much as I wanted to, read up as much as I wanted to. And that's what kind of gave me that edge when I end up competing 
coming through the ranks. So for me, my career job ended up being a, a city ma- assistant uh, director at age 29. So wow. that was pretty good. So libraries, for all I know, kind of <laughs> like sparked this uh, spark in me, kind of started it out. So it's been exciting. And your um, having libraries a resource for you has it been since you were a small child, or you know, it's actually been since I was a small child as well. But most importantly, in high school, is when I really kind of knew what it really meant to be a part of the libraries and to really learn and research and kind of know what that looks like. So. For me, I've always been, I guess maybe with the four different high schools, I've never hesitated to put my talents out there. So when I left Houston, I ended up becoming director in Durham, North Carolina, and uh, shared with Houston how to do automated collections because I've got the solid waste background. Same thing in Durham, North Carolina, also went in and did the same thing with automated collection. I later on became a director in Tampa, Florida, where we did waste to energy. So we had an opportunity to sell energy to the light company, and we generated about $14 million a year just taking garbage that normally would have went into the landfill, which you're protecting the environment, you're saving our landfill space, and you're turning it into energy and generating revenue for the city. So... Uh, it's been exciting to be a part of that renewable energy and waste of energy was a good vehicle for it. So I've had different roles, different responsibilities, but I have to be honest with you. I think I struck gold when I landed in San Antonio. <laughs> San Antonio, to me, honestly, is the best kept secret. And to work around so many professionals is just amazing in itself. So as I continued to pursue my career and got the director's job here that I competed for, I thought it was like exciting to give our city automated collections, coming up with this nice strategic plan that's been kind of like our roadmap in how we manage our, our waste, recycle, diversions, trying to save and protect our next generation, uh, coming in the future and to be honest with you, I took those same principles that I've learned over the years and put it into play as an assistant city manager. So this is why it's like exciting because now libraries I get a chance to work with. Uh, also, Parks and Rec is one of our departments, as well as Animal Care Services, Solid Waste Management, Office of Equity, and the Office of Sustainability. So it's like six major departments that have an influence on how we treat our communities. Every last one of them is about interfacing with and engaging with our communities. So what better way than to be a part of something bigger than all of us, you know? So, so that's a lot of roles, um, not just including your overall career, but even right now you wear various hats. Can you talk to your um, leadership style and how that's applied through the different roles? Yeah, so leadership style, for me, I'm one of those leaders that encourages mentoring, professional development. I love to see the next generation do well. I love to see those that have 
been in leadership roles kind of advance where they are. So for me, I'm all about transparency. So I always felt I owe it to a coworker. If you notice, I don't use like terms like boss, employees. I always use terms like coworkers because in my book, nobody's any better than anybody else. We're all the same. We just have different roles to, to take care of. So I, as a leader, I do, it's almost like I owe it to you to be honest with you. So when you're not making the grade or a project needed a little tweaking here and there, I owe it to you to share the truth. I also owe it to you to give my professional input. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where I want everybody to master their craft so they can get better and continue to progress. And I've also kind of learned not to assume that everybody knows. So what better way than to be kind of the teaching moments? I love teaching moments. I love coaching. I also love listening. <laughs> so I'm also one of the leaders that I love to keep smart people around me. And that means smarter people than me. You know how some leaders may say, well, I don't know. They might be after my job. Well, for me, I want somebody <laughs> to come get my job. It's, it's kind of like you expect everybody to perform at this professional level, but you have to be secure in what you do each and every day. And you've got to know to trust your coworkers that they have the answer. And if you're not willing to ask the very talent that's in the back of the room, no one ever asks them their opinion, no one even speaks to them sometime in the hallway or riding the elevator together, that's just not right. So I'm one of those leaders that if I see you at the mall or see you on the weekend, please speak because I'm, I'm speaking, <laughs> um, going out of my way to speak. I just think that's what real leadership is, similar to what we're doing now, just having a conversation about it. You were appointed assistant city manager right before the city started closing down in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Talk to us a little bit about that challenge. Well, you know, the pandemic hit us right after February of 2020, right at the same time I had promoted to assistant city manager. And one of the things that immediately happened was us to start thinking about how do we pivot with such a incredible disease that can actually take us out. This was like something we've never seen before. Right. So I was fortunate because I had an opportunity to work with Craig Hopkins in the IT department, and we put together a return-to-work strategy. So part of that return-to-work strategy over these last 18 months was not only identifying how do we first protect our coworkers, how do we protect our citizens, the public? How do we make certain that certain services that you can't just turn off with the switch, how do you ensure that those services are done in a safe manner? So part of it was, as you know, we had our structure policy we created. We had screening that we developed. We also had, of course, the mask, which we're still wearing now, even though we're in the studio and it's kind of cool. But we did all of that for each other. So we also had a chance to see how do you do deep cleaning 
if someone comes up positive for COVID. So that was part of the strategy. How do we check our HVAC systems to make certain we have the right return air? So we put together five different working groups over time, and each of those working groups had a director that led each of them. And it helped us pivot so when something happened, we decided to use dashboards so that if you could see the positivity rate going up slightly, you could also make certain that your policy was a reflection of, okay, what do we do if we get to certain components of this positivity rate? And we were able to not only do those policies, but we shared them with other cities, and they too have been able to work uh, Remote work, all of us know that was also a key pivoting moment for us to kind of take a relaxation and see how much of the work could we do at home without losing any momentum. And at the same time, when we did have someone working together in a certain setting, what would be the protocols for that setting? Do you wear your mask? How do you interact with each other at the same time? So... It's been really cool as I've kind of looked back on it to see over these last 18 months. So now, since then, we're, we're back at work. Uh, the ideal is to get everybody back to those levels of service before the pandemic. So, for instance, our own libraries here, we're now this week went back to six days a week. Uh, by September the 27th, we should be back to seven days a week. And I think that's really cool because, let's face it, most of our residents that we serve, they've been cooped up at home. They've had to take a step back. Uh, some of them have been hanging out with the kids, and they would love for the kids to come to the library or to school. But also at the same time, people enjoy the library. So out of all 30 libraries, as we move forward, they have a place that they can come to. Sometimes it's all about socializing. Sometimes it's to read the papers. Sometimes it's to use the computer systems. So that's why I'm so fond of the libraries. I just have to <laughs> be honest with you on that note. But um, we've been able to pivot extremely well. I do appreciate where the City manager has done his part, Eric Walsh, our mayor, Ron Nirenberg, and their relationship with the county. Uh, I think all of that comes into play on a larger scale. And the one thing that I thought we did exceptional was our communication strategies. Having that engagement with every employee that wanted to dial in, could dial in and get up-to-date information directly from the city manager. They didn't have to guess. They didn't have to wait on the rumor to come out. <laughs> they could actually go in and, in the chat, ask the city manager direct questions. So I think that was probably the key ingredient over the last 18 months is having that ability to get input from the workforce. And when you have, what, 12,500-plus coworkers, you want that input. I think that's really critical. So so you had the strategy in place for when we were um, and now are kind of opening up again, and you've talked it a lot, but is there any, are there any ways in which your role 
changed since we've been opening up that you maybe um, weren't expecting? You know, I think from a, a role changing part of it is I'm I'm more delighted that my role is interactive. Uh, part of my role now, which also is included, I'm a liaison for a couple of our council districts as well. So part of our communication strategies as well as for our departments are to keep that connectivity to the council offices because they too have been off and working remotely. And now that they're back into the office, we're trying to make certain that we brief them on services that are still uh, at those service levels now that they've been restored and what still is working. So I'll give you an example like in Parks and Rec. Uh, Parks and Rec could not open all of their pools this year or this summer because some of the kids were still in school and because of the pandemic, some let out later than others when they normally would be your lifeguards or uh, training supervisors. They would do other things that they've done uh, for years as part-time co-workers. But having to not open every pool was probably something that was a little different this time around. Uh, making certain that even for the de- Department of Human Services where we have like our seniors, well, all the senior centers are open, but we had some of the smaller senior centers that did not open because those spaces were actually the ones they were using to bring lunches to the seniors. And not all the seniors were ready to come back to the senior centers, so we didn't want them. To the credit of Human Services, uh, the department, Melody Woosley, and Lori Houston, that team, the other assistant city manager, they created an opportunity that was kind of like this hybrid that I really valued and appreciated, where the seniors could still come if they felt comfortable. If not, they made certain they didn't miss a meal. So I thought that was pretty cool for them to think about that. And that's just one example of each department out of the 39 departments in our city government that everybody did something unique and different to keep that engagement. So when you talk about resiliency, oh my goodness, city of San Antonio, I tell you, we're lucky, we're very fortunate to be part of this story that's bigger than all of us. So that's pretty cool. The pandemic has definitely forced us to innovate in ways that we hadn't before. It has, yeah, you're absolutely right, Haley, it has. It's apparent in talking with you that integrity is important. Where do you get your strength and conviction for this? You know, it definitely goes back to uh, being transparent, the integrity uh, with my mother raising five of us and making certain that we were fed, we were clothed, and moving forward. That integrity is where I want to make mom proud. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are. You always have those shining examples of that. I've also been fortunate to have uh, about three amazing mentors over the years that have always kind of guided me to think through certain things critically and to make certain that these a lot of decisions aren't hasty. 
but it, it does go back to being transparent, keeping that integrity. As you know, our city has like four core values. And when you think about like professionalism, teamwork, integrity, and innovation, when you bring all of those four things together, then isn't that a reflection of what we all should be doing? Making certain that nothing's ever compromised, there's no shortcuts. You make certain that things are, are done in a equitable way, but also to look at things through an equity lens as well so that when we serve our communities, we make certain that we're not missing something because there's disparities that we're not addressing. And every department now gets a chance to be a part of that. Uh, I'm also delighted to be a part of the Office of Equity because the Office of Equity has our citywide uh, equity uh, committee. We also have our equity trainers that are actually looking at disparities and how do we make certain that our marginalized communities, communities of color, low-income communities are also served in a place where it helps bring everybody up to the level that they're not forgotten about. And sometimes our services and policies, if we're not careful, could actually be a disadvantage to those marginalized communities. And we want to make certain that if we're looking at it through that equity lens, we're not missing some of those opportunities to do more things for our communities that have already been pushed back or in, not in the place where they should be. Yeah. Um, you have a very positive attitude, which is very, very awesome. So I have a feeling this might not be a one uh, singular answer, but what's your favorite part of your current job? I think my favorite part of the job is the interaction that I have the opportunity to be a part of. So I, I, I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy doing the work for our communities. I enjoy making certain that I, I call it clearing the runway. I, I love clearing the runway for communities, for coworkers, for our services, so that nothing gets in the way of progress or those success stories as we reach back to help those that need to come forward. So I love clearing the runway. I think that's so important so that folks don't get stagnated, start thinking of what um, the problems are. One thing I'll tell you, I do think that like being nice and courteous as a professional is contagious. <laughs> I, I do. I think smiles are contagious. I think people can see you through your mask if you're smiling or not. I just think that it's all a part of reaching back and, and opening up that communication, kind of like what we're doing. And you'll find that a lot of those success stories that we've enjoyed was all centered around that, that open communication. So that's where my uh, heart and talents lie is how do I advance others, you know, as a professional that's been in this business for 30 plus years and how do I give a little part of me that maybe someone else didn't realize that they too can achieve 
those goals. They, too, could be a, a garbage man that started out on the back of the truck that became an assistant city manager later. That's a gift that, uh, you know, you have to believe in. It's a gift from God, and it's all those mentors and that kind of helped me along the way. So I didn't get here by myself. I had a lot of help, so you'll know. So you mentioned that you have the three men, mentors that you still yes. look back on. Are you still in contact with them, or is it just lessons you've learned from them that you take? No, that's a great question because out of the three, one has passed away, uh, and he was great. He also kind of used to be one of the directors in Houston, uh, went on to be uh, work in waste management. Uh, one is named Everett Bass. He's also has been a mentor over the years and has been part of the industry. Uh, here lately, y'all may not realize this, but both Rod Sanchez and Maria Villa Gomez, the assistant city manager and deputy city managers, have uh, both given me gifts of information and certain scenarios on how they handle certain things over the time. So, you know, I, I would imagine in one's lifetime, it wouldn't be unexpected that you might run across five <laughs> mentors or, or more. But yeah, I've, I've had some very talented mentors to adopt even two new ones since I've been here in San Antonio. So altogether, that's really four. But yeah, I've, I've been excited and very humbled by the opportunity to be a part of this. Nice, thanks. And I'm sure that you've mentored many people as well. Yeah, uh, in fact, I probably have 11 directors around the nation that used to work with me. And uh, one went on to become a director in India to help them with their uh, solid waste programming and creating a more sustainable future. So had directors from Minneapolis, from Atlanta to Florida to, yeah, Durham, North Carolina <laughs> still, uh, Tampa. There's a lot of, there's 11. And what I told them was it wasn't me. The talent was always there. So I didn't want them to think I gave them any silver lining or any one clue did it all. The gift was there the entire time. It was only my job to show them that it was there. That was it. That's all I did. I didn't do anything different. We've really appreciated you joining us today and taking the time to talk with us. I have one last important question. Sure. What is your favorite book? Oh, my goodness. So, you know, I've read a few that uh, I really like. I would say my favorite one my my sister uh, actually had written a book once, and her name is Perry Catherine McCary. And out of all the books that I've read, I've always kind of come back to uh, her book and what she has written. And um, what what she did was she took the the Bible and she brought it up to, the language that we speak today and it's called the Bible Chronicles 
and the Bible Chronicles book was just designed that it, I thought it was so clever because the way she wrote it was she allowed kids to actually want to pick it up and to read it. So uh, it's technical uh, name is the Black Bible Chronicles. And uh, she was really good uh, with that. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, Yeah, I just... I just thought she was so clever. I, she's my older sister, so, you know, kind of kudos to her <laughs> for that. Awesome. Well, David, thank you so much for um, being on our show. It's been very enjoyable and informative. J.D., thank you for having me. Haley, thank you as well. And I, I'm just delighted that y'all took the time to to invite me and got a chance to be on a podcast that doesn't happen every day so thank you thank you (laughs) thanks hey thanks for listening and get connected on mysapple.org with twitter facebook youtube snapchat pinterest Flickr, instagram and follow tuned in on soundcloud itunes and google play music